this morning as I sat in the back and listened to the worship team. And this one particular song stood out to me. All of them were great. We have such a, a great group here that gives their heart. Can we honor our worship team for, for leading us and leading us so well? Thank you. Thank you, guys. <laughs> What do we do with our lives and how do we how do we live in such a way where just God is just glorified no matter what we're doing he's glorified for a few weeks ago for a few weeks Pam and I were away and getting some rest as soon as I got back something happened to my voice um, but I I was keeping track on some wonderful things happening here. One of them was just the amazing effort. I was going to wait for a few weeks to talk about this, but I, you know, we talk about God using our lives for different things. Um, I just really want to take a moment to, to honor Amy McLaughlin for her efforts in the youth ministry and all that you've put into that. You've done such you and your team, and for the community to be touched. That's really what it's about. And so we just, we just honor you this morning. Thank you for taking the time and investing in our children. And for those who are working alongside, and there are so many in the house that I was looking at pictures. I was looking at pictures, man. There's all these pictures. Like, I think we'll get a chance to show them next week. We'll show some, we'll show some pictures next week. God works through us all different kinds of things, whether inside the church house or outside the building or where we live, our neighborhood or wherever we travel. He wants to work through us. Um, I'm not as organized as, uh, as Pastor Pam. She's extremely organized. She's got stuff lined up, and I like to say that I, uh, I flow like a, a goose in a, whirl, in a whirlwind. You know, if it blows you over here, I'm blowing over there, I'm blowing up. And I got a little blowing that happened this morning. And it, was, it was this one song that Naomi was singing, and I just want you guys to flow with this for a moment. She's going to sing it. And I want to, I want to move out of the way if I can. I get one of our guys, John. Can you come for a minute, John? If you could just pull that over to the side, and I'll take this chair. I want to ask you all to respond to this song. And um, the beauty of, thank you, John. The beauty of uh, the altar is not to come and ask God for a new house or a new car new job, like, like Michael said earlier, we are the king's kids, and he blesses us. When, uh, when Dino shared last week about how Joseph says he was blessed, it was because the Lord was with him. And so I love, I love altar moments, and when we get a chance to, uh, to ask God for more, 
cut to me, the real strength of the altar is the sacrifice. It's the sacrifice. I remember when in Scripture in Genesis, when God asked Abraham to offer up Isaac, he wasn't coming with a beautiful robe and beautiful delivery. Isaac, Isaac went with his dad and what was in Abraham's mind was that he was going to take Isaac. He was, uh, he was going to put him up on the altar. He was going to tie him down. And he was going to take a knife and he was going to kill him. And then he was going to set him on fire. As a sign of offering to the Lord. And God said, I want you to offer up your son, your only son, Isaac, as a sacrifice. That's what, that's what the altar is for. And God's not looking for us to, to take our bodies and to go through that kind of process that would happen with an animal. Turns out, God never did let Abraham offer Isaac as a sacrifice. He reserved that for Jesus. Isaac was a type of Christ. Abraham is a type of Christ. You'll hear loaded later about Joseph being a type of Christ. Thank God for Jesus and he gave his life for us. He was offered. But God says to us as his children to offer ourselves to him as living sacrifices. I had a moment in the back while Naomi was singing this song. Man, it just, just messed me up for a minute. I felt like I heard the Lord say, invite the whole audience to come out of their seats, out of our comfort zone, and come to a place of sacrifice. And so I want to ask Naomi to, to sing I would like it if you guys could just lean forward on the, the pew in front of you. Just lean forward. Just as an early sign of focus and submission. And just listen to the beginning of these words. I want to be tried by fire and pure. You'd take whatever you desire. Oh, Lord, here's my life. I want to be tried by fire and purified. You'd take whatever you desire. Lord, here's my life. I want to be tried by 
Jesus. Oh Lord, here's my life. I want to be tried. I want to be tried. I, I, and purify. You take whatever you desire. Oh Lord, here's my life. I want to invite you all right now just to, just to come and to kneel at the altar, stand at the altar as a sign of sacrifice that fresh, before we even hear any teaching today, God called Abraham and he said, here I am. He was saying yes to whatever you want from me. So I invite you all to come now and as Naomi sings this song, may your prayer be, try me, Lord. Wash me, Lord. Purify me. yourself give yourself give yourself give yourself to the Lord right now fresh let him into every part of your life every room rooms that have been closed off in the past open the door swing it open and say Holy Spirit come in I give you access purify me wash me the things that need to be killed Take it away, I give them to you.
moments aren't always comfortable. Areas in our lives that have gotten dry, hard, but we know because the Holy Spirit has pulled us into this space this morning. We know it's you. And we know, Lord, the amazing plans that you have for us. They are good plans. But we also, Lord, want to be fit. We want to be vessels of honor. So any dross, we ask you to burn it off. We know that you won't kill us. We know that you have a good outcome, a future, and a hope planned, not just for us, but through us. So we're willing to go through this purifying process. So we give you our thoughts today give you our mind, our imagination today. We give you our words today. Statements that we've gotten comfortable saying. Moods that we've gotten comfortable getting in. Things that we've done with our eyes and our ears. Affections that we should not be holding. We give it all to you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that it's, it's not for shame. You haven't bought us into your presence just to point accusing fingers at us. You want, you want us whole. You want us well. Thank you, Lord. Say those words that Jesus, Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread 
and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Will you stand to your feet and rejoice in the presence of the Lord as those with clean hearts and clean hands. Embrace your brother or sister that's near you. Let them know you love them in the name of the Lord. You can return to your seats. You guys say thank you to Naomi for leading us in that, that sweet worship moment. I um, remember when I was a little boy, our, um, our pastor would have uh, these moments and the presence of God would be so thick in the room. And then everybody would be ready for his teaching and he'd say well you know what? we don't need to teach today why don't we just go on home that's not going to happen here but I will say that I'm always impressed when the Lord interrupts and there are teachable moments I um I appreciate uh, Pastor Pam leading in a time of prayer for Israel and all that's happening over in uh, the Middle East and Gaza, Palestine. So we're only going to pray for one side. No, we're not just going to pray for one side. Somebody had to be praying when the Apostle Paul, who was named Saul at the time, was persecuting the church. Somebody had to be praying for Saul. I actually believe that it was Jesus. Jesus has perspectives sometimes that we don't have. If you leave it up to us, we'll pick a side and only pray for that one side. If that was the case, when we who were considered 
enemies of God. <laughs> We're far off from God. Strangers from God. He ran after us. So, because we're in the house, does that mean no one else gets in? No. So when you eat, I'll give you a rhythm. This isn't for glory. This is just for training. When you eat and you're blessing your food, pray for that situation. Pray for Israel. Pray for Palestine. Pray for all of those children, and those, those families. I was talking to somebody the other day, and I said, I'm, I'm going to send up a hot prayer for you. The Bible says the effectual, fervent prayer, hot prayer, they avail. And so... The best way to get your prayer hot is to put yourself in that person's shoes. Pray like it matters to you. Pray like that. Or pray for somebody else. And so when you eat, do it. And not just because there's all of this tension going on in that part of our world and, and for God's chosen people. I'm not ashamed to say Israel is God's, God's chosen people. I'm not ashamed of that. But it also doesn't just keep me praying only for Israel. And that's good practice for all of you who have a political bent towards a certain party be good if you are considered a Republican. Pray for the Democrats. If you're considered a Democrat, pray for the Republicans. If you say, well, I'm independent, I only believe in Jesus, then pray for everybody. Pray and move in an opposite spirit. So I want to encourage you when you eat, pray. Pause and pray. And let's stay in that habit to go beyond just these situations that bring tension. We get to pray for our neighbors, the businesses that are in our communities, our schools. We get to pray for our local government. We get to pray for the broken. We get to pray those who are wealthy and those who are poor. Those who are healthy and those who are sick. You need to pray. And they don't think because someone seems to have it all going on that they don't need your prayers. Everybody needs prayer. And we are his ambassadors in the earth. You all receive that? Look at somebody and say, that's good. That's good. We've been in a series. Um, it's a familiar series. It's, it's been out for years and years and years. Um, has to do with the life of Joseph. And um, I started this months back. 
and uh, it's going through all of uh, those that we're associated with, whether it's High Street Worship Center here or Christ Community Church Philadelphia, Christ Community Campus Expression in Wilmington, Delaware. Um, and we just really want it to be something that saturates because God has called us to reach the world for Jesus, starting with our own world. When I say our own world, I'm talking about your home. Remember, the light that shines the farthest shines the brightest at home. And I pray that when you were at the altar, that some of the pictures and the images that were going through your mind had to do with your family, your response to your family. It's not always about what's far. We get to the far. But as we pray for the world, we need to start in Jerusalem, start in our own home. So husbands and wives lean on the Holy Spirit to get things together. Parents and children lean on the Holy Spirit to get things together. Brothers, sisters, sisters and sisters, brothers and brothers, friendships, lean on the Holy Spirit get those things together and let's not cross over things thinking that they don't matter because of your Christian title because God loves you or because you've recently received a blessing no the Bible says gifts they come without repentance and all of the blessings that the Lord brings your way he does it in an effort if you are off to draw you to him and so let's stay in that place where first, I want to be right at home. And then it goes further out. It goes further out. So we've been talking about this topic on um, destiny, which comes through dreams that God gives us, wonderful pictures of things that he wants to do in our lives. And he says the goal isn't the dream and even the destiny isn't for you alone. God touched my life so he can now touch through my life to touch the lives of others. I've made a statement for years and years since I believe the first time I, I heard this statement was, was back in 19, I don't know, 1991 maybe, somewhere around there. And I uh, heard this guy named Ken Stewart say it. He was teaching at a holiness conference. And um, he says, you're not the end of the pipe. God touched your life so he can touch the lives of others. And so that's always the end goal, no matter who you are. You may be an artist, an engineer. You may be an educator. You may be a... Um, a person that stays at home and raises amazing children. Um, I don't, I don't want to, you know, especially for mothers and fathers whose that's their, that's their strength. I don't want to belittle them. Um, say, oh, you're just a stay-at-home mom. You're just a homemaker or housewife. Or... I tell you, my greatest season in our family was when Pam left her 
position and title as a scientist and decided to be home pouring in to our three sons. And there is so much value in that. And there are others who are here that do the same thing. So I honor you and I acknowledge the powerful gift that you have. But wherever you are in your calling, um, it's important that you, I, we allow God to put us through the necessary tests that would sharpen our character. Character. Calling is good. A couple weeks ago, we installed and ordained some pastors and laid my hands, Pam and I both, we laid our hands on them. The very power of God came to equip them to do what they were called to do. And then after that, we laid our hands on about 28, maybe 30 kingdom ambassadors that are moving in government and education and health care and mental health. Some are working in sports and arts and entertainment. It's all the gamut. And we need the gamut. We need all of it because God's trying to get to every crevice and every area. The Bible says the whole earth shall be filled with the glory of God. Well, how do you think that's going to happen? It's going to happen when his glory holders. We are holders. We are carriers of the glory of God. And when we get commissioned to go every place, that's why a few, you know, about a month or so ago, when we spoke over Julie Juliana, we spoke over Linda, we spoke over Donette, we spoke over Javier. What are they? They're carriers of the grace of God. That's how the whole earth is going to be filled with the glory of God. In the beginning of creation, the spirit of the Lord hovered and moved. But man, after the cross, he says, I'm going to put my spirit in them. And then I'm going to send them out. The good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ spans the globe. It goes everywhere. So it's important that when that kind of thing happens, our character needs to be in the right place. We've got to be not just Christians, but we should be, we're not just ambassadors, but we should be the kind of Christians or the kind of ambassadors where our character is lined up with the Father's character. It adds a boost, it adds a punch, and it's something that the enemy can't can't stop. So we've been talking about these tests as a picture in Joseph's life. And if you look at the life of Joseph, and you can read the entire story, you can find it from about Genesis 37 all the way up to Genesis chapter 50. You read through there and you'll see the life of this young man and the journey that God placed him in because he wanted to do transformation. He wanted to transform. And so we're looking at that to see what kinds of things happened in Joseph's life that God now can work in my life. What test did he go through? What were the tests? 
And so up until this point, we've looked at four tests. We've looked at the pride test. Because when you're going to be used by God, if you don't go through the pride test, if you don't allow, as Naomi was singing a little while ago, that that fire purify, that it purge out, that it burn off the pride, then instead of being an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven, you'll end up being an ambassador of your own kingdom. So we have to go through the pride test. After the pride test, Pastor Ernest came uh, while we were away and shared on the, the pit test. Last week, with promotion, Dino shared on the palace test. There's a test when God puts things in your hand. Can you handle it? So watching the broadcast Dino was sharing how God caused Joseph to be so blessed that Potiphar, the head of the house, I mean, put everything. He didn't have to worry about anything except whatever he was going to eat. So the question is, from that, can God trust you with more? Can he trust you with more? We had pride, we had pit, we had palace. So today we're going to want to give you a little bit on purity and go to the book of Genesis chapter 39. Genesis 39. Everybody say Genesis 39. And while you're looking, say this, say, no one can stop God's plan in my life except me. Nobody can, nobody can stop. Can't blame it on the devil. You can't blame it on people. You're the one. And this test, this uh, season, it was a long season of tests that uh, Joseph went through. He, he proved with all the things that happened to him, he proved. You can get to where God's called you to be for others for others, I got to say that over and over and over again. It's always about others. We always have to double back. God's called me to this. God's called me to that. God's given me this. God's blessed me with that. I can do this. I have this skill. I have this ability. I have this education. I have this experience. Man, I'm really good at but it's for others. It's always others. So let's read. I want to read quick. You guys follow me, and if I go too fast, read when you get home. I'm reading out the new King James Version. It's up on the screen, and I'm going to read. I'm going to read fast. So I hope to see if the media team keep up. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see how fast we go. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. Verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. 
And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house and all that he had put under his authority. Oh, I'm sorry, all that he had, he put under his authority. So it was from the time that he had made him an overseer of his house and all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. You guys see that? You see that? Because the Lord was with Joseph and Joseph was in this guy's house, the house was blessed. That's how I feel everywhere I go. It's not blessed because I'm some big shot. No, it's by virtue of the, of the, of the fact that God is in me, God is on me. When we go to restaurants, the restaurant is better, which is why while we're there, we're praying, Lord, bless this place. Bring favor to this place. And I have to believe that Joseph was praying for his master and praying for his master's house. Verse 5 again. So it was from the time that he had made him overseer of his house and all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Verse 6. Thus, or to that, he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. And he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. He's like, I don't know what's going on, only the food that's in front of me. Now, and this is where we're going to be at just for a little bit. Now, Joseph was handsome. Everybody say handsome. <laughs> in form and appearance. Wow. That means his face and his body. Verse 7, and it, came, and it came to pass after these things. After what things? After the fact that his master put everything in his hand. After that, his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph. Everybody say longing eyes. Mm, longing eyes. That means you're looking long. Looking with something. <laughs> and she said, lie with me. Let's be real. Let's be real direct today. Let's be real specific today. She said, I want to have sex with you. Mm, I can't believe he said that. Oh, my Jesus. Verse 8, but he, Joseph, refused and said to his master's wife, look, he said, let's, let's look at this for a minute. <laughs> My master does not know what is with me in the house. And he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I. Nor has he kept back anything from me but you, except you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Verse 10. 
So it was, as she spoke to Joseph day by day, we're going to say day by day. Day by day. All right. I'm not allowed to sing today. So it was, as she spoke to Joseph day by day, that he did not heed her or respond to her, to lie with her or to have sex with her, or to be with her physically. Verse 11, but it happened about this time. One day, hey, everybody say, dun, dun, dun. Yeah, that's what's happening. It happened about this time. When Joseph went into the house to do his work, and none of the men in the house was inside. <laughs> I don't know what music to give y'all now. <laughs> that she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. Or we're going to do this now. But Joseph left his garment in her hand. He fled and ran outside. <laughs> I want you to listen to this. God allows us to be in the culture for our character to be developed. Not to be diseased. I'm going to read that again. I'm going to add something to it. God allows us to be in the worldly culture for our character to be developed, not diseased. It is through this developed character of kingdom ambassadors that heaven's culture comes. Jesus said it like this, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Now, what would have happened if Joseph did blow it, what would happen? Remember, his whole point to being there, even though he didn't know it, was for a great deliverance. So suppose he compromised his character. Suppose. What would have happened to those that needed to be delivered? And so I want to talk to you about that. I want to ask you that question. The situations that we get into sexually, see, we're not, we're not talking stuff that's, you know, just some, oh, maybe something might happen, or, you know, if the Lord ever wants to use you, or, or if the enemy comes. No, today we're talking about sex. We're talking about purity in your body, in your sexual nature, the, the attitudes, and not just for you, but for those who will come beyond you. Because we don't teach these lessons just for ourselves. Our kids need to know about these lessons. I say it again. Our kids need to know about these lessons on sexual purity. So three ways Christians relate to the world. Number one, 
they'll separate themselves. Number two, they'll compromise in one or more areas. Or number three, they'll live by God's standards while living right out in the world. See, there's three ways. One group says, ah, you know what, I'm just going to move away, and it's just going to be me, and I'm just going to be around Christians, just us. It's no, nobody else, I'm not even going to mess around with society. I'm not even going to be in society. I'm going to be all the way over here. And the others say, no, I want to be in society, but, you know, it's okay. I can soften about some of my standards. I can low, low my standards down some. And then there are those who say, no, I want to be in the world, but it doesn't mean I have to be diseased. I can be in the world, but not of the world. And I will tell you, when it comes to sexuality, society has standards that do not line up with God's standards. And God doesn't say, I don't want you to be around them. He says, I want you to live a certain way. And we're going to have to flee these, these appetites. And I'm not going to tell you that it's easy. No, it's a struggle. It's a challenge. But we got to work together, first with heaven and with each other. Do it to cross, to the cross. Go with me, first with heaven, then with each other. All right? Listen to what Jesus prayed in St. John chapter 17. He's praying these for the disciples before he leaves. He says, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them or set them apart by the truth. Your word is truth. And as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them, I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified or set apart. And my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's us. We got grafted in right there. that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be one in us. Why? That the world may believe that you have sent me. So I had a question. I was sitting on the edge of my bed, and I felt the Holy Spirit drop this in my heart to, you know, to add to what I was already doing. And here's the question. What if Jesus' interaction... Now, go with me well now, because we're talking serious stuff here. We're not talking about all these anointings and, you know, commissionings and laying hands and even saying, I'll follow Jesus. One of my favorite songs, I surrender all, I surrender all, all to thee, my, I don't know if I can hit it, blessed Savior, <laughs> I surrender all. Here's the question. What if Jesus' interaction with the woman at the well, stay with me now, or the woman who was caught in the act of adultery, remember that girl that they bought to church to kill her, they said she was caught in the very act, 
What if Jesus' interaction with these two women turned into a sexual scandal? Why you picture it now? Because he says, I'm in the world, you sent me into the world, and I'm sending them into the world. And then he says, I sanctified myself. I had to set myself apart. So what did that look like? Because we don't, we don't put on these kinds of glasses sometimes. It's like, well, wait a minute. What if the woman at the well was attractive like Joseph was attractive to Potiphar's wife? What if the woman caught in the act of adultery? had certain things that had to do with her that was very tantalizing, it's very tempting. So we talk about Jesus. No, no, don't put Jesus in that because Jesus ain't like us. Well, let me read a scripture to you. Do I have that scripture here? If I put it in this one. Uh, yeah, this is Hebrews chapter 4. Verse 14 to 16. Look what it says. It says, seeing then, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 to 16. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. Verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in, he was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. So if you, if you let your imagination go for a minute, you can see that if Jesus was tempted in all points like us, then there must have been somebody around him that looked tempting enough, attractive enough. to pull him potentially into something. So we got to talk about it. I don't just want to talk about what you're called to do. I want to talk about your character. We got to talk about the character piece. So I want to give you these four things. We're going to try, try and wrap this up. Impurity, and we're talking about sexually. Impurity, we're talking about sex. We're talking about sexuality. We're talking about, we're talking about being involved with another person sexually, and you are not married to that person. So we're talking premarital sex or postmarital. In other words, you are married and you're tempted to go outside the marriage. We're talking about adultery and or fornication, which means that this is not somebody that's married now. It's somebody who is, I'm unmarried, the other person is unmarried, and we're entering into sexual activity. 
And the first thing that I will say to you is that impurity affects your family. If you decide to do this, it's going to affect your family. It's going to affect you, and it will affect your family. When you look at David and what happened with David, if you look at 2 Samuel chapter 11, David got involved sexually. He moved to that place of adultery. And in chapter 12, 2 Samuel chapter 12, you can see how it affected him. 2 Samuel chapter 13, you can see how it affected his, his family. That's why it's just important for you to know that what I do doesn't just affect me. It affects those around me. It affects those beyond me. David gets into this whole deal sexually and ended up having sex with this woman and the blindness got a little crazy to where now he tried to cover it up. Because whenever you do things that are impure, deception kicks in. You gotta sneak around. You gotta sneak around. Hey, what would it look like if we looked at all the channels that you watched this week? If there was a scrutiny on all of the movies that you looked at and the frames So, David has sex with this woman. He's sneaking around to do it. He conspires to have the husband first to see if he can come home and get him to have sex with you because it turns out she got pregnant. And that didn't work because he was loyal. He said, all right, let's see if we can't put him in the, the heat of the fire. And he did, and he got killed. So now we're talking about conspiracy and murder. The next chapter, Nathan the prophet comes and says, dude, this is what you did. This is what happened. The next chapter, this is chapter 13, 2 Samuel. His son, Absalom, his son, Amnon, Amnon and his daughter Tamar. His son Amnon was attracted to his sister and found a way. You can read the story. I don't have all the time to get into it today. Found a way to get her to come and serve him. All for the purpose because he was sexually attracted to her. He ends up raping her. Absalom hears about it, finds a way to kill him. How'd this start? David, out on his terrace, being attracted sexually 
They're busy. It'll affect you. It'll affect your family. So make sure you put that plate down. If you need to take a picture of it, take a picture of it. Because your, your gift may get you a certain place. Even the calling, even your experience, all those things that get you a certain place. But your character will get you over the hump. And we're not just talking about anybody's character because we can be in the world and in the world, you know, uh, sexual impurity won't be a problem. We're talking about character with God. I want to make sure, Naomi's singing this song, I keep referring back to that. Purify me, burn the stuff off, Lord, that needs to be burnt off. Help me with this issue. And help me to be the kind of champion that I'm willing to declare that if we're going to live for God, if we're going to be Christians, that it goes into our character as well. I'm not talking about shaming people. We shouldn't shame people. Pam and I went away. Pam and I went away. And um, there we are, you know, the guy came over and asked, you know, what kind of drink I wanted. And I said, I want a, um, they call it, they call it a uh, um, Miami Vice. I hadn't heard about it like that before this came up. I said, do you want a Miami Vice? I said, yeah, I, went, I heard that Miami Vice is really cool. But can I have a non-alcoholic Miami Vice? And the guy's like, oh, oh, you want a Little Mermaid. <laughs> you trying to shame me. You trying to shame me. Tell me I'm weak. I got to have, but, but I'm not trying to bring this stuff up to shame you. I'm trying to bring this stuff up to let you know we got to deal with this. And we can't let our titles, we can't let our years of being a Christian, we can't let I'm a member at High Street Worship. We can't let any of that. We can't let our attractiveness or our skill set, we can't let any of that. Even the very anointing of God being on our lives, we can't let that be the thing that defines our character. Got to be willing to say, Lord, I don't want to cross the line. And so I want to give you two pictures of sin. One is transgression. The other one is iniquity. Transgression, iniquity. Transgression is, and you can write this down, Outward movement, transgression, outward movement. There was a line, and I crossed the line. David crossed the line when it came to having sex with this man's wife. If we were to look at it from a, a, a present day, it's a trespass. Don't trespass. Don't go past this. Don't go on that property. Don't climb that gate. Don't go through that door. That's, trans, that's transgression. Transgression is, what is it? Outward movement. That means I'm doing something. The adultery was outward movement. But another word I want to give you is iniquity. Iniquity is an outward movement. Iniquity is inward motivation. It's something that is in my heart. Which means that the notion of, I did everything, but we didn't have sex. 
Nope, I, look, I didn't touch her. Nope, I didn't touch him. Nope, we didn't do that. Yeah, but iniquity is in your heart. It's in your heart. And we got to make sure that we fix the things that are in our heart and not think that just because I was watching porn that it's okay I didn't have sex. No. In your heart, in your heart. I want you to look at a, a, a passage of scripture in uh, uh, Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, verse 28. Matthew 5, 28, this is, uh, this is what Jesus says. This is what Jesus says. He says, but I say to you, whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. That's the iniquity. He was wounded for our transgressions. What is that? That's outward, physical. He was bruised for our iniquity. Bruising is under the skin. It's on the inside. See, the Bible's consistent. And we have to make sure that we don't get to that place where we think just because I actually didn't do anything. No. When I was, when I was young, they used to say, at the church I grew up, we grew up in this Pentecostal church, you know, Pam and I, we started in our 20s at this Pentecostal church, which is the church that I was overseeing. We moved it to a non-denominational, but we still have the, you know, the Pentecostal beliefs and so forth. And they used to say all the time, man, the, the second look, that's the look of lust. Second look. So I look, but if I look again, ah, that's the look of lust. Well, you know there's a loophole in that, right? Just make the first look a nice long look. You say, oh, it's not the, I'm not the second one yet. My eyes never moved off. It's not the second one. All right. Now if I look back, I'm off. No, you were off the first time. Because just like, just like Potiphar's wife, had longing eyes, had longing eyes. This is, this is important. We have to realize that when it, comes, when it comes to making sure we're walking in purity, number one, impurity will affect, it'll affect your family. Number two, impurity will affect your faith. It'll affect your walk with God. Because deception will come in. We'll get back to that look in a minute. Deception will come in, man. Deception will come in, and, and you'll be like, uh, you know, I'm all right. Because when it comes to sex, man, we hide. Unless you're married. Unless you are married. And it's not about the paper. It's about God saying, I want you free. I want you whole. I don't want you scheming and hiding and deceiving. And that's whether you're married or unmarried. Because you can be married and still be looking at other people, men or women. And this used to be a man issue, but, you know, the Bible says in the Romans, it says where sin abounded, sin abounded, grace did much more abound, but sin abounded. And right now we've got things that are happening in our culture. Men and women will do and say, and the temptations and the things. It's crazy, man. 
And every generation gets worse. Why? Because the iniquity that comes in, it'll be visited on the second and the third and the fourth generation. That's why this thing affects your family. And if you don't want your kids coming up in a certain way, if you don't want your grandkids coming up in a certain way, you got to start drawing some lines. That's not to shame you. It's just to let you know when God is trying to free you up, we don't tell our kids don't play in the street because we're trying to keep them from having fun. We want them to live. And that's what God does with us. He says, I've said in front of you, good and evil, blessing and cursing, life and death. Why? So that you can live. The enemy will have you think, oh, he's just trying to keep us from good, having a good time. He's just trying, you know, I, I, look, I, I married a couple. I married a couple years ago. Years ago, they were visiting the church, started coming to the church. And after spending some time with them, because you know me, I'm a hugger. I get into people's lives, like, how you doing? You know, and they're like, oh, my gosh, what a nice guy you are, Pastor Terry. Back then, they called me PT. They're like, yo, PT. The closer we got, the more I realized, A, they weren't married, and when they left, they're going back home. And they're hanging out with each other. And so I started talking to them. I said, well, you guys have sex? And they're like, yeah. He says, but Pastor, we love each other. At some point, we're going to get married, but we love each other. Hang on. Do you realize the level of deception that you're moving in? Because you come into a temple like this, and you put up holy hands, but you're covering your heart. Now, don't judge the couple that I'm talking to you about. I want you to start looking at if you are putting up holy hands and hiding things from God. That's why I bought your phone into it, or your tablet into it, or the remote control into it. You know, or your laptop, or your PC. That's why I bought. But when you're going in and out of the airport, and you're stopping and just looking at magazines and look too long. Or the movies that you're watching. Oh, we only fast forward. Really? What happens if you, if you forget to fast forward? All of a sudden, boom, that thing's right in there. I'm talking to this couple. I'll get back to that in a minute. I was talking to this couple, and I said, I want to confront you guys on that. Not because I don't like you. You know my heart, and you've judged my character by now, so you know I love you. But I got to confront you on this. And so they made a decision. They were going to come to my office, middle of the week. And it was the start of a habit that I've done now for over 25 years. To find people who are living together, say, hey, listen, do you love him? Yes. Do you love her? Yes. Okay. Well, we're going to get married in a few years. We'll get married when we get out of school. We're going to get married in this. We're going to get married now. When things get right, we're going to get married. Okay. You have, you have a problem financially. It's better to be poor and pure. I said, come to the office. I'll marry you. We'll set things right. I remember today. It was a Friday night. I'm a young guy, man. I'm like 30. I don't know. 36, 37, somewhere around there. They met me on a Friday night in my office, right there on Penn, Penn's campus. Actually, it was before Penn. It was up on 47th Street. Went in my office, walked them through it, 
release God's grace over them. Walking out of the door, the guy, it's about this tall, he turns to me, he says, it's a pastor. You don't know the weight that has been lifted off of my shoulders because we did this. See, it's purity with no deception, no deception. And so we walked in that thing, and, and I can't tell you how many times I got pictures. I got pictures of 18, 19-year-olds. I got pictures of 40, 50-year-olds. I got pictures. It's like, yeah, we're making a decision. We're going to do it the right way. See, society, society just wants you to obey your thirst, your urge. All, but that begins to seep into your character. And you start to manipulate. You start to sneak around. You start to, start to hide. That's how you get into an affair. So you're hiding. You're sneaking around. You're married, she's not. She's married, you're not. <laughs> you're both married. You're sneaking around. What is that? deception and if you're a Christian then you go and still raise holy hands up before the Lord and it's not always with the sexual sometimes it's just it's the flirting because for the guy it's sexuality but for the girl or the woman it's romance and there you are and she's looking for that God, it's in her the top the top few with the man sex respect you know that interaction of, of sports. I can't tell you how many times I want Pam to sit down and watch a football game with me. The baby is so long. And so she learned how to do it. Now she takes her, her, her phone and she plays games. And she looks up, oh, good job. I'm like, how did we score? Why, that kind of stuff matters to me. You know, those languages of love, physical touch, it's high on a man. Words of affirmation, high on a man. For a woman, what is it? Security. Romance. I tell people when they're about to get married, I'm like, dude, you got to spend some time waiting for her. It's like a car. You get into a car, you're in drive, you're ready to go. But for her, she got first gear, second gear, third gear, back to first gear. Second gear, third gear, fourth gear. And so here you are now in the office. Here you are. And you're saying things and giving certain eyes and looks. Next thing you know, you're ending up divorcing your husband or wife to be with this person. Because there's an adrenaline rush. Something happens. We're sneaking around. We're doing it in the car. We're doing it in a parking lot. There we are hanging out. There we are. Oh, something. I see you. Okay, that eye. Yeah, okay. And then later on. But then what happens when you leave your wife or her? Well, there's no more rush, is there? There's nothing so exciting anymore, is there? That's because the Bible calls it in Ephesians deceitful lust. And then you walk right into that same deception. Impurity will affect your family. Impurity will affect your faith. Impurity will affect your future. It will affect your future. 
And it doesn't mean that if you got involved with any of this stuff, that you're just off, that it's, you're done, that you can't change, you can't get things right. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that. You have a heart that is open to God. That's what happened when I turned 19. When I, turned, I got born again when I was 11. My dad led me to Jesus when I was 11 years old. But 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, I was going as close as I could to the line. I didn't have sex. It's to celebrate. Yes, I never had sex until I got married. Yeah, but the iniquity was in the heart. We got to make sure we start drawing lines. And so how do, you, how do you fix it? How do you fix it? Husbands and wives, I'll start there. Number one, number one, talk to each other. Husbands, if you're struggling, tell your wife. And wives, if he's coming to you and telling you, don't shame him. You got problems with what? You, what you, what's wrong with you? No. Confront and repent. And help each other. And that's man and woman. And if you are not married and you're single, then you need to find somebody that's bigger than you to share with them. Now, if you're a guy, don't go to a woman. Say, yeah, I just, I just need you to hold me accountable. What? And you're a woman going to a guy. Now, even, if you, even if you're going to a pastor or a leader, make sure you got multiple. That's why we do couples. Because we got to have protection. This thing, look, the enemy wants to tear our characters up. So ladies, don't go and confide in another guy. Can you imagine that? He says, oh, you're such a wonderful brother and wonderful Christian. I just really thank God for you. And I just want to share something with you. I've been having a problem sexually. He's like, oh, really? So we'd walk in the level of, of wisdom in that. So what's the first point? Impurity does what? Number two, impurity does what? Number three, impurity does what? Uh, last one. Impurity, impurity starts with the eyes. Starts with the eyes. Don't look. <laughs> don't, don't look. And don't let society say, oh, you can't handle that. You're right. You're right. This was not meant to handle anything and everything. Paul says it in the book of Ephesians, book of Romans, Romans the seventh chapter. He says, the thing that I want to do, I'm not doing. But the thing that I hate, I find up doing. I end up doing that. You know what he says at the end? Oh, miserable man that I am, who's going to deliver me from the body of this flesh? Because whenever I want to do good, evil is always present. Oh, look. And then ask those around you to confront you if they find you looking. What? What am I, a child? No, you want to be free. I heard one guy say this. He said, man, I told my wife, I told my wife to look, hold me accountable if you ever start seeing it. And he said, she grabbed, she pinched him. They were at the beach. 
She, she saw him looking. She pinched him on the under part of his, his arm. She pinched him and then she, and then she twisted. Ouch. Because he said, look, anytime something comes up, I just want you to, I want you to call me on it. And then I want you to pray for me. She saw him. She's like, <laughs> she pinched him. She twisted it. And she said, do you need me to pray for you? Now, I know right now all kinds of thoughts go through your mind because that's what happens. When the word of God comes and it finds us in certain places, right away Satan comes to try and take the word. He'll come and try and get you distracted. He'll come and start talking. Listen to the way he's talking right now. He can't even talk. He don't even need to be up there preaching. He don't need to be up there. He'll come with accusation. Look at him. They don't know your life. They don't know your story. You got a good heart. All of that stuff. I want you to know. Continue to bring light in so that you can be clean. Jesus said, you are clean through the word that I've spoken unto you. So don't look. I want to read some scriptures to you really, really fast, and then we're going to wrap up. Wave at me if this is making sense. Is it making sense? Yeah, okay, I got, I got 40% there. It's okay. Look at these, um, listen to, these, listen to these, these passages. This is Psalm 101. Psalm 101, verse 3. I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. That's Psalm 101 and 3. Look at Proverbs 27 and 20. 27, 20. Hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of man are never satisfied. See, everything has to do with the look. Look at, uh, look at New King James Version. These are in New King James Version. Look at Matthew 6, verses 22 and 23. This is what Jesus says. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body is full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? What are you looking at? What are you looking at? I love what Job said here. Job said this in uh, chapter 31, Job 31 and 1. He says, I have made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I look upon a young woman? I'm not talking about just looking and you're having a conversation with people. I'm talking about you're looking and you realize that thing is coming up. And all of a sudden, I'm longing. Man or woman, longing. Yeah, make up in your mind. I'm not doing that. For me, for my family, my faith, I don't want to be, I don't want to be sneaking around on God. I don't want that in my life. My future, what does God want to do in my life that now I'll compromise because I'm playing with this stuff? And it starts with my eyes. It starts with my eyes. And God wants us to enjoy. If he's called you, he's, if he's called you and, and you make a decision, you know, I want to be married. God, I want to be married. Well, until that thing comes, don't wake it up. Don't wake it up and don't think that marriage is going to fix your sex problem. It won't. Because you can get married and then have sexual activity happening, but then keep looking. And then you'll end up sneaking around. Sneaking around. And, and husbands, don't think that your wife's not seeing you. She sees you. 
She says, what were you looking at? Oh, no, I was just, you know, there's a cloud over there. There's a cloud in the sky. I was looking at it. It looks like a bunny rabbit. She know. More importantly, God knows. What's the first point? What's the second point? Third point? Fourth point? Don't look. It starts with the eyes. Don't look. Verse 16 of uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. It says, therefore, let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help. Grace for mercy, grace for help. Grace for mercy, grace for help. The Holy Spirit will help. You can't do this without the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is character building. I'm not talking about works. I'm talking about allowing your character to be shaped and formed. They were singing this morning. I was sitting in the back. They were singing the song, Holiness. Holiness. What is it? Take my... There you go. You got to start singing it before it come back. Right? I got you. I got you. Take my heart and form it. Take my mind transform it, change it, shift it. Take my will, conform it to yours, to yours. And that comes, that song, that song comes out of Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. He says, I beg you by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is the least we can do because of all of his grace. And don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by renewing your mind that you might prove what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. And the will of God isn't just so that you have a wonderful life. The will of God is so that he can use you now to transform other lives. And your character won't hold you back. Your purity won't hold you back. So I want to push you. When you're tempted to look, when you're tempted, and especially if you have a history of sexuality and history of deception, history of masturbation, history of pornography, history of affairs, his, let God take your character and your purity and help you to now put a guard on your eyes. Put a guard on my eyes. There are certain things I cannot look at. There are certain movies that Pam and I will not watch. If, if, if she wants to go to the beach, I get myself up ready for it. Get myself up ready. Because you go to the beach, you see all kinds of things. You see people wearing dental floss. They call it a bathing suit, but it's dental floss. And there you are as a Christian. And you haven't set yourself up for success. They do all kinds of things on the beach. And because you're a Christian, and because you've had that in your experience, oh, let's go to the beach. Fine, go to the beach. You better be ready when you go to the beach. Otherwise, you'll be like an alcoholic going to a bar. You're just going and watching the people drink. So you have to set some standards. Decide in advance. That's the, the five steps I give people. We got them years ago. You know, admit you got a problem. Believe God can help you. Claim the word of God by faith. 
Those are all A, B, C, D, E. Admit you have a problem. Believe God can help you. C, claim the word of God by faith. What does the word of God say? Decide in advance. That's D. And E, enlist support. We'll go over those on Wednesday night. We'll go over those on Wednesday night. All right, you got those? We're going to go over those on Wednesday night. We'll go over those. A, B, C, D, E. Admit you got a problem. Believe God can help you. Claim the word of God by faith. Decide in advance and enlist some support. I'll get real transparent with you. Pam and I, Pam and I, we went to a, uh, we went to a, uh, um, a, uh, a resort. We went to a resort. Go to a resort. No kids, just, just adults. Resort. Walk in the, walk in the room, and, and we set stuff up. We take our fire stick so we can watch Netflix or whatever. And, and they have channels dedicated to sex. So we walk in. I'm, I'm with you, Karen. Oh God. <laughs> oh God. What was you? Uh, and, and so what did Pam and I do? We call, we call guest services. It's like, we need you to come in and take these particular channels off. For, get those channels off. And you can hear the surprise in the, you would do what? Get those channels off. Now, we started going to this place, our 30th anniversary. Beautiful place. We started going every year. And other people that we know, heard, hey, where'd you go? Nice place. Oh, we're going to go too. And we tell them, listen, get channel 49 and 50 off. Because all you need is that one look. And all of a sudden, boom, that thing's in your head. You got to get that thing purged out. Now, that's going away. There's some stuff that they have on the channels you have on your television at home. And you got to make up in your mind. For some of you, you need to go to the highest level and say, listen, you can't handle those channels. You can't handle. You can't handle Cinemax. People don't just bump into each other and have sex. It's, it's a Cinemax. It's a Cinemax. See, but they have such wonderful movies. Can you handle it? Pastor, you, you're getting too strong. You're getting too that look, the end, that's where it starts. It doesn't start when you do it. Iniquity gets into your heart through the eyes. David, problem with the eyes. Samson, problem with the eyes. That look. So guard the gates to your heart. First one, my eyes. It's getting in your eyes now. Now you have it in your mind. Now you have imagination. Imagination is a crazy thing. The enemy will use the imagination and have you doing all kinds of crazy things. That's how it moves to the degree of perversion, pedophile. That's how it gets to that point. And once it's in, you need to work with the Holy Spirit, but you also need accountability. I know this is one of those challenging messages. I know it is. Um, but thank God ahead of time, y'all came to the altar. And I didn't really design it like that. The Lord told me to do that was in the back. But we come to the altar and say, hey, purge me, Lord. Purge me from porn. Purge me from using my eyes to see different things. My ears. And I don't want to get one of those, you know, nice romance books and look. And his arms were glistening. And you ain't got time for that. Don't let your imagination be used for the wrong thing. Because God wants to use you. God wants to use you. Bow your heads. Father, we... Uh, we run to you, 
not just for help on how to do it right. We run to you for grace. Thank you for grace, Lord, to forgive. Thank you, Father. You said whoever comes to me, I won't cast them out. So we come to you, Father, for grace, grace, grace. May no one be in here, Father, and feel shamed, feel like they're, they're worthless, that they're, they're just hopeless. Thank you, Father. I pray that everyone feels your, your love, that you want them whole and not bound up by urges, not being put into rooms of manipulation, deceit, and deception. So bless everyone that's listening. Bless, Father. Those that are on the edge, doing the right things, that God, I want to do it, I pray, Father, for help. Holy Spirit, come. Come and heal. Come and help. Come and heal. Come and help. And we pray, Father, for all of us who are in the body of Christ, may we not look down on those who are struggling. May we create a great environment for them to confess privately, one-on-one, -on -one, confess thoughts to one another so healing can take place. Not broadcasting sin, not calling people out to come and stand, say all the things they've done, but Father, to be able to have someone who really loves them and cares for them. Says, I'll walk with you. I'll strengthen you because I've been strengthened. So I pray, Father, for just great grace. Grace for mercy, for healing, and grace to help. We thank you, Lord, for those that are here and those that are even watching that don't know you. We thank you that you are close to those who don't know you. Your arms are wide open. If they confess with their mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in their heart that God's raised them from the dead, that they will be saved. So save them, we pray. Save today. We bless you, Father. Strengthen the men that are in this house. Strengthen the women that are in the house. Strengthen the teenagers and the young adults that are in the house. Strengthen the seniors that are in the house. Strengthen the married that are in the house. And we be true ambassadors for you. And we thank you for it. 